Genesis 39 is where we're going to spend our time this evening as we are talking about God in the midst of suffering. Up to this point, God has given Joseph dreams that showed him that he was going to have authority over his brothers and also over his family. But now he has uh, been hated by his brothers, rebuked by his father, thrown into a pit, was supposed to be killed by his brothers. But then they come up with a little bit of a better idea, uh, at least in their minds. And they see some Ishmaelite traders passing by. They sell him into slavery instead. And they go home and tell their father, must have been an animal that destroyed your, your, your son. And this is all that we have left as he shows them the coat uh, with, with animal blood on it. And I just want you to imagine for a moment being Joseph. And, and chapter 39 of Genesis opens with the fact that Joseph had been taken to Egypt because an Egyptian there, an Egyptian who works for the Pharaoh at that time as an officer in Pharaoh's court named Potiphar has purchased him and is now working for him as his slave. And I, what I want you to think about for a moment is what would you think about God at that point? What would be your feelings about God? Here you are, 17 years old, your brothers wanted to kill you, your father seemed to reject the dreams that you had, and now your brothers have sold you, and you find yourself in Egypt, far from home, far from family, far from what seems like God had promised in regarding these dreams about the authority that he was going to wield over his family. And now here he is as an Egyptian slave to an Egyptian officer. Would you think that God had abandoned you at that point? Would you think that God didn't care anymore? And you, maybe some of us would even think, well, maybe, maybe I've done something wrong to be in this predicament. God must hate me. And here I am and in, in this awful circumstance and in these terrible situations. And it would be easy to think that God's revealed dreams to Joseph have clearly failed. Uh, there, there's no way the, the, the dreams that I had could ever come true. Look at where I'm at. I, I, I've been forgotten by my family and enslaved in Egypt. But I want you to notice something rather shocking that's given to us in verse 2. Verse 2 says, the Lord was with Joseph. And the text does not say that God came to Joseph and said, Psst, I'm with you. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> you aren't told that. You're just told by the Holy Spirit, even though Joseph has gone through all of this so far, the Lord is with him. And not only is the Lord with him, we're told there in verse two that he became successful and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. I want us just to note that we are plainly told that Joseph is not alone. It looks like he's been abandoned in Egypt. It looks like God doesn't care. It looks like God is not with him. I don't think anybody would go up to Joseph. And the first thing, if you knew anything about his background, you'd say is, well, clearly God's with you. 
<laughs> That'd be about the last thing you would think based on where he is and the circumstances that he's, he's going through. But what I want you to notice is that in, in, even with this disastrous life event that has happened, that you'll notice in verse 2 that we're told not only is he becoming successful serving Potiphar in his household, but verse 3, when the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful. And I find this something to think about. Because this indicates to me that Joseph is not moping around telling Potiphar and the other servants and the people of the house, you know, God must have rejected me and sure does hate me. You know, this is really, I, I, I got a bum deal out of this and this isn't right. I, I want you to think about he must be acting and living in such a way that Potiphar is able to listen to the words of Joseph and see the life of Joseph and say, the Lord's with you. He wasn't just walking around going, woe is me, what a terrible disaster. This is complaining, kicking the can everywhere he goes about how terrible it is. Clearly, he is still doing everything he can in serving his master and serving God to such a degree that Potiphar would say that and think that. You know, if Potiphar comes up to Joseph and says, well, the Lord must be with you. And Joseph goes, oh, no, no, that, that, that whole God thing, that's not for me anymore. He sent me dreams a while back and I'm just not interested in those things at all anymore. Because, man, he sent those dreams that made my brothers jealous. So I'm just kind of done with God around here. That's not what's going on. I, I want you to see that he's not talking like God is not with him. And he's not acting like God is not with him, even though the circumstances would give that off to anyone who would look at it from a human perspective. Being ripped from your family and going through these terrible circumstances to go from favored son to rejected slave, it seems. And yet the words here seem to indicate Something great is about to happen. Verse four, Joseph found favor with his master and he became his personal attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and placed all that he had under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all the things he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned and in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I just want you to think about you're seeing this quick rise of Joseph in Potiphar's house and such a degree of success that it says that Potiphar, when it came to the household operations, there's only one thing he thought about. What's for dinner? That's all he cared about. Because Joseph was taking care of everything. He put everything in Joseph's authority and in Joseph's charge. And Joseph ran it and ran it well. And you see that we see that we're told that 
In verse 4, he found favor with Potiphar. And so you can imagine first being purchased and now he's in charge with all authority over this household. What I want you to be thinking about here is it looks like things are turning around for Joseph. Things are clearly not ideal. He's not home. He's not back in his land. He's not back with his family. But in light of the circumstances, he's doing pretty well. You might say if you were in the midst of that, well, I'm starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. At least I'm being cared for by my master. He trusts me. I have authority. I'm in charge of the house. Things are going all right in spite of all that has happened to me. But then I want you to note that we're told that Joseph finds himself a little bit in a precarious position here. You'll notice we're told something at the end of verse 6. That Joseph had a good appearance and was well built or good form. So he is not only in face appearance a good looking guy, but in terms of his body, he's a good looking guy. And so this now is going to be a problem as it unfolds because you'll notice we're told in verse 7. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife here with me here. My master does not concern himself with anything in his house. And he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil? And how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go and lie with her. I want you just to get an amazing scene here that's being presented to us. Here is this young man. And now he's risen in the ranks and he's in charge of Potiphar's house. We know when he goes into Egypt that he's around 17 years old. Who knows how many years are passing by with all of this going on. But he's a good looking young man. And we're told that she every day, every day is tempting him. I want you to think about the difficulty of that. And I want you to think about the difficulty of the temptation on top of the fact that she also is in charge of him. This is the master's wife. She's telling him what to do. And he has the integrity and the faithfulness to be able to say to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, here's what I want you to focus on in this is clearly it shows that Joseph's still trusting God here. In spite of everything that has happened to him up to this point, he's still trusting in God. And I want you to think about that this was not just a one-time offer. Put yourself in his shoes trying to do the work, trying to be faithful, authority over the house. No one's going to know the better. He's in charge. And yet, day by day with the temptation, he is saying no and rejecting her. And I want you to pay attention to the fact that he does not let his life setback be an excuse to sin. 
Because we have a fine way of doing that. We have a a fine way of excusing our sins when things go wrong or when people do things to us or we think that we are being treated unfairly. And he realizes that just because he's not in a good circumstance anymore, that doesn't mean that he gets to forsake God and do whatever he wants to do and excuse his sin some way. What I want you to see in Joseph is that faithfulness to God is to do what is right when no one is looking, to do what is right even if you can get away with doing wrong. Faithfulness is about having the self-control to choose God when there's an opportunity to sin. And, And Joseph is doing that here. And I want you to think about the kind of integrity Joseph has. That you notice that Potiphar is saying he's not worried about putting him in charge of the house. Here's Joseph, young man, running the house, day-to-day operations, doing everything that's told of him to do. And he has no concern. You know, I don't know about that guy. I need to have special eyes on him. No, he just says you can take care of it all. He has that kind of integrity, that kind of faithfulness, and he will not violate that faith and that trust in God because he is trusting in him. Now, I want you to think about this for for a minute because I want us to see that what God is showing us through Joseph that is certainly commanded to us in so many places in the scriptures is that we are expected to practice self-control and integrity regardless of the circumstances. And sometimes we have this tendency to want to go, well, but they did something, so that's why. And that happens an awful lot when it comes to our sins and the excuses that we want to make. It doesn't matter what he or She says to you, you have the power to say no. It doesn't matter what he or she was wearing. Here is Potiphar's wife every day. Come to bed with me. He had the power to say no and and absolutely did it. It doesn't matter how he or she is tempting you. You have the ability and the self-control and the integrity and the power to say no. We can say no and we can practice self-control. And friends, that's the way it's supposed to be as the people of God is that we should be men and women who can be faithful and trusted regardless of the situation. And it wouldn't matter what Potiphar's wife was doing, wearing or not wearing. Joseph kept saying no. And didn't say, well, you know, that's you you saw. I mean, you know, she's good looking. So, you know, or, you know, she kept saying those sweet words to me. So, you know, what was I supposed to do? I'm only a man here. Absolutely not. You have the integrity and the faithfulness and the self-control to say no, regardless of what the other person is doing. And Joseph amazingly is able to do that. Friends, the other person's behavior is not an excuse for our failure. And we need to hear that. 
Because we live in a culture right now that likes to blame everything that we do on everybody else. Oh, if you only knew. That's always how the the, the discussion starts. If you only knew what so-and-so did or how my spouse acted or what was going on, it doesn't matter. You have the ability to be faithful, show integrity, and exercise self-control. So much you see this, this, this beautiful picture in the way that it's worded in, in verse, verse 10. Though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused. Verse 11. And one day he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants were there. Please notice again, major integrity. Potiphar's not like, you know, you better just not be in there. Full trust. Full trust. He is faithful. He's not going to do wrong. And so verse 12. She grabs him by his garment and says, lie with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. I just want us to be impressed by how strongly he was devoted to his God. That he was able to say no, even when she got his hands on him. And even though there was nobody there to see or know, he still could be trusted and he still did what was right. That's the kind of self-control and faithfulness and integrity that we are called to be and we are supposed to have as the people of God. This is the second time now, I think the interesting imagery in this, this is the second time now that Joseph's robe of elevation has been stripped away from him. The first time with the brothers who strip it off of him and use it to go back to Dan and say, see, examine, is this your son's garment? You know, very cold and calculated. Well, now he's been elevated to be in charge of Potiphar's house. And now that robe has been stripped from him because what she does now when he runs away, she turns the tables and calls all the servants to come in in verse 14 and says that I screamed as loud as I could because he tried to assault me. He tried to lie with me. And so I have the garment here to prove it. When the master finds out verse 19, the master hears the story that his wife told him and he is furious and has Joseph thrown in prison where the king's prisoners were confined. And so Joseph was there in the prison. Yet again, Joseph has been thrown into the pit for reasons and circumstances beyond his control. And I want to ask you this question. Have you ever felt like just when life seemed to be turning around and things started looking up, that life came crashing down again? Joseph's got you. Right here, you'd think, all right, things are getting better. And now this whole incident happens. And now it's not back to where he started. It's even worse than that. Now he's thrown into the dungeon. Now he's thrown into the prison where all of the, the, the Pharaoh kept all of those who had violated his laws. They're all down there. And he's putting them there at this time. And just when Joseph seems to see a little bit of light gleaming into the darkness from being sold into Egyptian slavery, from being rejected from his his brothers and his family, he now finds himself in an even worse circumstance. 
And Joseph, the innocent one who has not done anything wrong, now finds himself in the pit again. Now, I have another question for you at this point. Do you suppose you would think that God has abandoned you now? How are you feeling about God now? Where you would be like, I mean, Lord, I did the right thing. I stayed faithful to you. And now I'm even in a worse circumstance than ever before. Surely God hates me. Surely God is not with me now. God has clearly forsaken me. And I think every outsider who would see Joseph in the prison would go, yeah, your God hates you. Your your God's not with you in the slightest. Look at what's happened to you. You have gone from being favored son to now you're in the prison. How can you possibly have any faith in God at this point? Look at how miserable your life is. And all because you were serving God, this God of yours who gave you dreams. And now this God of yours that you are being faithful to by not being sexually immoral. Look at where that got you. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Are you amazed by that? But the Lord was still with Joseph, even though by all human reckoning, none of us would say the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And notice verse 21 says, and was showing him steadfast love. And watch what happens. End of verse 21, he granted him favor in the, with the prison ward. And the warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority And he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Does that sound familiar? It's all of the same wording that happened when he was in Potiphar's house. He goes into Potiphar's house. Potiphar sees him and goes, you're in charge of it all. You've proven yourself worthy. Gives him control over the whole house. The Lord is with him. He's successful. Blessing the house. He gets now thrown into the prison. He gains favor with the, with the prison warden. And now the same thing happens all over again. Joseph has authority over everyone that's in the prison. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. And that he sees that the Lord was with him. I'd ask you again, but I don't want to have too much time to think about. Do you think Joseph was walking around the prison moping about God? So that the prison warden, you know, said, oh, surely God is with you, even though here you are complaining about God and complaining about your life circumstances and how terrible these things are. Do you think that's how that went? No. Even though he's in the prison. Even though he's in the prison. He's still trusting God. So here's my question. This is what we'll talk about for the last few minutes. How? How are we able to trust God when life doesn't go according to plan? Because I don't think Joseph, if we could go interview him in the prison, would say, yeah, when I was 17, this is exactly how I thought my life trajectory would go. Totally thought I'd be in a prison in Egypt. This is not remotely according to plan. So how are you supposed to keep trusting God when life doesn't go according to plan? How can you still have faith? How can you know that God is, God is with you? Let's, let's start number one. Trusting God does not mean 
But there's going to be an immediate reward. And I think this is important for us to acknowledge. Is it is sometimes the reason why we struggle to go forward in faith with God. Because we think because I'm doing what is right. There should be an immediate result. An immediate clear outcome for doing good. I mean, this is one of the keys that sometimes comes up when you think about why people walk away from God or why people don't choose to follow God is because they're like, well, I'm being righteous and doing all these things. And what is it getting me? My life's getting worse. (laughs) Things aren't getting better. Things are getting worse. In fact, you even have Job's wife essentially say that idea. Look at how bad your life is going. Why are you still serving God? You might as well quit on God. You might as well curse him and die. What's the point of serving him if there's no immediate benefit? And I think it's important for us to see that just because we're trusting God doesn't mean that that's going to make everything beautiful today and there's not going to be any troubles or any worries or any cares or any issues. And I want us to see that Joseph's life goes into the pit because he did the right thing. Sometimes what's going to happen is our faithfulness and us maintaining our integrity before God is going to cause life problems. Now, we shouldn't be surprised at that because there's all kinds of people of faith that you read about that happening. And certainly our Lord is number one on the list of There wasn't an immediate reward for serving God, but instead a cross that was set up for him instead. And so often what we think is, well, if I'm faithful to God, then there needs to be some kind of immediate thing. And I want to dispel that from our mind because sometimes when life gets hard, we ask the same question. Well, God must have forsaken me. God must not be with me. And just because your life does not look like God is with you does not mean that he isn't. And so it's important for us to keep that part in mind, which goes very closely to this point. That on these unpleasant circumstances that we go through, you know, sometimes... I use the phrase when life doesn't go according to plan, but I want us to think about that idea for a minute. That's our definition of the way we think our life should go, right? As if we're telling God, this is the way it's supposed to go. You know, I signed on the dotted line to follow you and here are my expectations of how my life should go. And I didn't sign up for unpleasant circumstances. (laughs) It's supposed to be wonderful and joyful and pleasant. And so because I'm serving God, everything that I wish my life to be has to come into effect. And that's just not true. And sometimes we act like we are the ones who are going to dictate to God. Here's how life should go. And if life doesn't go the way I think it should go, then I'm going to quit on God. And I just I just want you to be impressed by Joseph. That this is so far from going right. And he's still trusting God and he's still talking about God and he's still being faithful to God. And you see God still blessing him, which is the third really amazing point of of all of this. If God is with us in the pit, which he has shown here now twice, 
God was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. And God is with Joseph now in the prison. And God is able to be with us and bless us and accomplish his purposes, even though we are in the pit. And if you've been a follower of Christ long enough, and you've lived your life long enough, you're able to look back in your life and see how God was with you and blessed you, even though you were in the deepest of pits. And Joseph is able to look at his life and go, yeah, God's still with me. I know that he's faithful to me. And God was blessing him and elevating him even in the lowest points of Joseph's life. And I hope that we would look at our life and remember the times that God has been with us in the pit so that the next time we get put into the pit, we can remember that God's steadfast love is still there and we can still trust him and we can still be faithful to him and know that God can still bless us in this new circumstance that is most certainly unpleasant and most certainly not according to plan, but God is still there with us. Now, I want to take one other turn with this. One of the things that we're doing in this series is I want you to pay attention to the connections to Christ and the foreshadowing as well as the, the understanding that Jesus has of what we are going through. One of the things that is made abundantly clear to us in the scriptures is he understands our temptations. He was tempted in every way. And does something absolutely amazing. He's tempted in every respect and in every way. And yet he does not sin. Here is one who absolutely knows what we're going through. Here we sit back and go, yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going through. Well, God does. God knows what you're going through. God knows what, how you're being tempted. God knows what you are experiencing. And it might be like Joseph that it's day after day after day after day of temptation. Day after day, it's in your face. And God knows what you're going through and he knows the difficulty of that. But he certainly gives us the strength to be able to overcome. And not only that, you see how Jesus was able to entrust himself to God in the midst of all the circumstances that were going on. I love how Peter words this. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. We have been looking at that on Sunday morning. We're going to keep seeing this in our study on Sunday morning that there's every opportunity to re retaliate, to respond in kind, to hurl insults back. What does he do but keeps trusting God? And that's what Joseph did is he doesn't retaliate. He keeps trusting God. Jesus doesn't retaliate. He keeps trusting God. And you also see something beautiful in, in Jesus is that you have this description that the Apostle Paul gives about how he did not use his power and his authority for his own advantage. In chapter 39... Joseph is given authority over all of Potiphar's house. And he did not use that to his own advantage. He didn't use that for his own selfish desires. 
but instead faithfully carried out his work and continued to trust God. And you see that modeled in Christ as well, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't go around doing it for himself. He didn't use his power for his own will and purposes, but instead use these things for us. And so I want us to see in Christ, just as we see in Joseph, these three key points that we just looked at. Trusting the Father does not mean there's going to be an immediate reward, but God can keep blessing us. God is with us and he will be with you in the pit if you will continue to hold on to him. When life goes sideways, when life goes not according to plan, and I would beg you that we would keep asking to turn our faith to him. Lord, give me the strength to do what is right, even in the face of this evil, even in the face of this temptation, even in the face of this difficulty, just like your son did. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for the life of Joseph and what it shows us about how to trust you. When life is in the pits, when life doesn't go according to plan. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for all of the times that we have complained about our circumstances. Lord, forgive us for when our actions have not revealed to those looking at us that we are trusting you through the difficulty. Forgive us for when we have allowed the temptations and the difficulties of life to be an excuse for us to sin. And Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have thought that you are not with us anymore, that you do not care about us. Because we know plainly you tell us that you do. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a a greater faithfulness, a greater integrity, greater self-control. Help us to practice this and help us to be the very people that can be trusted like we see with Joseph. That Lord, we would choose you above all else and that it would not matter what temptation is put before us. That we would see that your value and your worth is infinitely more important than anything that we could have in this world. And forgive us for when we have given in to our fleshly desires and to our own selfish will rather than serving you. Lord, I know that not only in the past, but also in the present, that each of us here are going through hurts and pain and difficulty and hardship. And there are so many times where this life, Lord, gets very hard. And we feel like that we are alone in the darkness of the pit. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that your steadfast love is always with us. That you have promised that you will never leave us or forsake us. Help us to know that no matter what it looks like, you are there. And you can carry us through the pit. And you can bless us every step of the way. And, Lord, help us to trust you all the more in the days ahead than we have in the past. Thank you for your son that makes it possible to be forgiven of our failures. And Lord, we pray that we would still be trusting you as we move forward in Jesus' name, amen. Encourage you to keep trusting God and do not give up 
when things get hard and when life does not go according to plan. Hold on to him faithfully. What else do you have in this life to hold on to when things go wrong and when things are not fair or right, except your Lord and Savior who said he will stay with you all the way through. Don't give up, but hold on tight. Can we help you tonight in that way? Can we help you in any way to draw closer to God, to hold on to him, to trust him more than you have in the past? We'd love to encourage you and help you in any way possible. Would you just let us know what we can do for you? You can come forward now while we stand and while we sing.